0: for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Neely Luton, CEO and designer of her nearly 20-year-old namesake fashion label. Neely has a reputation for going against the grain in terms of fashion industry norms, so I wanted to ask her how that's benefited her since the start of the pandemic and where she plans to take her brand in the next 20 years. Welcome, Neely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Well, I I don't know if it was the last time we talked, but I know we talked during the height of the pandemic, and you had kind of <laughs> um, shifted gears in terms of your approach to Instagram. It seemed where you were you were doing some cooking, you were doing some. <laughs> um, we had more access to you. It seemed like. Um, tell me about that. Was that? Um, did that go on? Is that still going on? Do we see your cooking on Instagram?
1: I think that was the fun part. I mean, the biggest uh, challenge was during COVID is to uh, really uh, figure out, you know, what do you do when factories are shut down? What do you do when stores are getting nervous and they feel as they don't need as much merchandise as they ordered pre uh, COVID? Uh, the cooking was my way of uh, relaxing. <laughs> And, uh, I think why it worked is because my brand is pretty much based on my communication with my followers and my clients. And, uh, it gave me an opportunity to really, uh, connect even deeper. And I think one of the ways to connect deeper was really sharing, uh, those activities that I was, uh, involved with during COVID. One of them was cooking, uh, after hours, you know I would start cooking at ten o'clock uh, and bake and cook and I kind of shared it uh I didn't even show my face it was just working my hands and putting the music that i love and surprisingly it 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 did work um not surprisingly but but to the degree that it worked was surprisingly uh because I've got so many women um that followed me i mean reached out and Nothing to do with clothes, nothing to do with fashion, really connected on the level of uh, woman to woman and cooking and recipes and health. And uh, so that was kind of an interesting experience for me. And I think it did work.
0: (laughs) Yes. So that's resulted in more followers, maybe more engagement. Um, Are those people shopping your site now? Yeah. What do you know about (laughs) the aftermath?
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. I think that, uh, my, I think my collections, because of the way I had, I put and what I put in them in terms of time and commitment and passion, uh, and making them in the U.S., uh, are at a certain bracketed price point that a lot of women are inspired buy my clothes and my lifestyle and would like to purchase them, but they're not at that bracket. And I think what that had given the opportunity to women to connect with me without buying, without the commitment that I need to buy from you, rather, I just like you as a woman, and I'd like to be your friend. And uh, I think that, of course, brought business, uh I think the way my my collections are built is that the price point is quite diverse, so it starts at a uh, three hundred fifty dollars and it ends with a couple of thousands of dollars an item but it kind of gave an opportunity for women to relate and to try the least the less expensive clothes and I think definitely i mean my my that particular part of my business had grown tremendously. Now, I cannot tell exactly if those are the same women, but I'm, I have no doubt that some of it is.
0: Tell me about that price point. I consider you a luxury brand. Um, do you hate that word? Is, is luxury it?
1: Luxury is my favorite word. <laughs> uh, and I've been using that word quite a lot lately, I would say in the last couple of years. Uh, when I started my brand, um, I didn't call it luxury, but it was. And I think the definition of a luxury can change from one person to another. To me, luxury is not necessarily access. To me, luxury is minimalism. To me, luxury is the ability to enjoy something beautiful and well-made uh, without too much access. So when I started my business... Uh, Naturally and intuitively, I went into most beautiful fabrics, expensive fabrics, but for a reason, you know, Italian fabrics, Japanese fabrics. I, the model of my business is that I made everything in the U.S. So that by itself is already luxury that's put in the seams. And, uh, so I think to me, the luxury, as I said, is in the seams is not, it's not just sitting on it. And what's been happening is that as I've been growing the business and as my business evolved, I realized uh, and went from luxury, you know, timeless essentials into a full lifestyle and multi-categories. Uh, what I found out that really where I sit in that space of fashion is really in the luxury world. You know, I sit right below Saint Laurent, Celine, Cuccinelli. These are the these are the brands that I sit in adjacent to the row and right below from a price point. So I think what I'm really offering is to a luxury consumer access to a better price point. Uh, but with the same, the same integrity and the same quality that they would get from, you know, uh, high-priced luxury.
0: Yes. Well, when you talk about the brands you sit next to, I immediately think of um, the re- wholesale partner or retail partners, the um, Bergdorf's of the world. Tell me where you're selling, um, maybe direct versus versus retail, uh, wholesale and gosh, what stores make sense for you?
1: Sure. So retail is an interesting concept now. Uh, but in terms of who am I selling to? So Barney's was my number one selling store at the time and when Barney's, uh, unfortunately folded, uh, my business mostly, um, you know, it was big before, but got bigger in, in, in the other stores in line. And my number one, uh, client today, clients today are net a Matches, Saks Fifth Avenue, um, Bergdorf. Um, that's like, in terms of like big online shop, shop up, um, and I am at about 350 stores internationally. So we are an international brand. We have quite a lot of stores in Germany, Austria, France, UK, um, Russia, um, you know, Israel, uh, quite a lot, you know, Korea, quite a lot, Japan, and of course the US. Uh, So, what makes sense to me from a retail? I think actually Barney's was a great concept. Uh, I think that today, you know, there is no store in New York City that does what Barney's did, which is kind of a place for new designers to emerge, for new designers to uh, be able to um, express and show their collections and have the opportunity to grow, to become... A full-grown label. Um, you know, I don't... I, I believe there is... I'm actually going to the West Coast uh, this week and I'm hoping to explore new stores, but I believe there must be some. To me, what works today is a shopping experience of exploring, a shopping experience where you really learning about new, new designers, new collections, because... Each one of us has already their favorite and they know how to find them online. I think that it's tough to look for something that you don't know. So if people are curating it for you and putting stores where they're actually putting, they're doing the research, they're putting together, you know, designers that might be interesting for you, I think to me that would be the best experience. Um, I'm also... uh Opening few retail stores right now. I just opened Palm Beach. And my theory, you know, since it's only my own lifestyle, uh, is still to make it an experience that is artful, that is serene, that is a place to people to explore what I do and not necessarily come in and have the pressure to buy.
0: So your physical stores, what are your aspirations there in terms of how many, where you would like to have stores? Um, maybe what's what's holding you back before going all in and, and rolling out 100 stores <laughs> this year? Uh,
1: so I started my very first store in Chebeca. I launched it in 2016. And my concept there was and remained uh, a place for a woman to feel good, a place for a woman to feel that she's protected in this space, protected from the sense of pressure and stress and come in from work maybe and stop by and and then continue to the stress of r- running a family and having children. Uh, is a place where she could think about herself, what does she want, what does she feel like, what does she need, uh, and have a friendly uh, team that works with her, nice, calming music, and very minimal uh, display. So it's not uh, too crowded. So that was my concept to begin with, and I continue with that. Uh, the store in Palm Beach very much does that, you know, kind of a gallery feel. But I injected uh, quite a lot of art in there. And uh, to me, this is just kind of makes the shopping experience a little bit, more again of a space rather than a, a straight shopping, uh, I collaborated with object of common interest. those are two very talented artists who I collaborated with them of uh, they designed few objects that some of it is light actually providing light and some of it is just shapes that I love uh, and and the store looks really beautiful um, and uh, in terms of my plan and aspirations, I'm actually on my way to L.A. this week uh, to look for one or two stores in L.A. My idea is, you know, is to go where my clients are. Uh, I am. My whole concept is that I come to my client rather than my client comes to me. Uh, that's why I try to keep my stores in neighborhood areas, in small shopping areas where Women are just, my client is there. And what I've realized that 40% of my e-commerce business is sitting in LA. So it's natural for me to go there. Absolutely. So I don't know what stopped me from going there till now, but I guess, uh, you know, I've been always growing my business organically. Uh, very little strategy. I mean, now it's actually changing, but... Uh, you know it's been growing organically fifty percent you know uh growth year to year from the day I opened uh consolidated i mean the the, the site has been growing anywhere between sixty to two hundred percent a year uh and so I just kind of ride the the wave you know I just uh organically um, did whatever felt right intuitively. Uh, and I continue to do so. But when you get to the size of business of where I am right now, and I need a little bit more help because I've been doing it quite a lot um, as the CEO and the creative director on my own. Obviously, I've always had a great team that helped me. But this year, I decided to bring um, a higher level of team. And um, and that obviously comes with a strategy. So... Um,
0: Tell me about that. I hear this from designers or founders all the time about the, uh, a lot of them are creatives. Maybe um, they don't have the business savvy or, or vice versa. Um, yes, uh, when you're bringing in new people, um, I don't know. I would think that you're going for folks who maybe uh, are more, I don't know, uh, who can supplement your, your expertise.
1: Who are you looking for? Who are you bringing in? Uh, uh, I brought in a COO uh what i i felt i'm still keeping the ceo position uh i've been doing this for 18 years and i've been doing something good so uh i think everyone agrees with me that nothing needs to change uh, but just grow, you know, just grow in the sense of having more people to help in each team. And therefore I need someone that will help me manage that team. So I hired a COO, uh, and, uh, she is basically, you know, overseeing production, operation, uh, logistics, uh, and retail and, um, um, Wholesale and basically all the different components of the business uh, sitting with the managers of each of each area every day. And basically a lot of issues surfaced that way. You know, when I was on my own, I didn't have the time to sit with every person. So a lot of things kind of got fallen in within the cracks, maybe. And uh, I think that now we can't afford it. So at the size of where we are. Every little mistake costs a lot of money. So we definitely do need to look at our processes and to have someone who is on it every day. So that's one thing. I also brought in a CMO. I've done very little PR through the years, um, almost none. Uh, And only in the last two years, we've actually started to strategically put myself in PR. Uh, whether it's podcasts like yourself or interviews, uh, just to tell the story. I think that a lot of people are not familiar with the story. And actually what I'm doing is I'm telling a story. You know, my collection is my story, is my life. And, uh, it, it, it is, uh, could be interesting to anyone who's trying to do the same thing or just interested, uh, because their clients are follow.
0: Yeah, it's interesting for sure, and it's the exception to the rule. Let's your growth is phenomenal. You no PR, what? Anyway, I'm just people who are listening are probably <laughs> like, what is the secret sauce here? Um, tell me first of all, your um, clothes are resonate like these are not driven by trends. How would you describe? Like you said, are these have forever pieces, their quality, like what, I think that the clothing itself is the differentiator here. Um, Are your customers loyal? Is it word of mouth? Yeah.
1: Tell me about some of those secrets. So definitely my client is loyal to the point that that's why I grow so organically because I always say that once you came into my store, to my side, and you bought one thing, you are a forever loyal client. Uh, and we see that, as a matter of fact, anyone who comes in and, and, and analyzes my site say to me, wow, you have clients for 10, 15 years over and over again. And every time when we launch a new collection, she's like grabbing it all and, 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 and wanting it. Uh, where the challenge is is acquisition where the challenge is how do you get to more women who would act the same way, uh, but don't know about you. And that, I'm trying to figure out right now, I think by opening more stores, by doing some PR. But till this point, it was really just word of mouth. Um, we have very loyal clients in every store that we have. Those are all clients that's been with me for as long as the store exists. And uh, I think from clothing, I think one of the things that makes me maybe different, I mean, I design for myself. I really live in these clothes and I not only that they fit my lifestyle but they fit my aesthetic uh you know my quality standards my my how do I how do I feel and what do I want to wear and I think that appeals to many women I think uh my life is actually pretty normal uh you know I'm a mother of 3 I am you know, I divorced and married again. So now we have six kids together. Uh, I'm running a business. I am a boss. I am a lover. I am everything that everyone is. And uh, I think showing how I use my collection and how I use my clothes on myself and demonstrating it kind of makes it more accessible. Uh, and I've been doing it quite a lot successfully that it's basically I'm sharing my closet. And one of the things that I always say is that I'm not really selling. I'm basically sharing. And everyone who wants to join me is more than welcome. The clothes themselves are understated. There's a nonchalant ease to them, which is hard to find in a luxurious brand. Um, And it's all in the attitude. So the nonchalant and the ease does not come from the quality of the fabric. It comes from... A certain attitude that I believe inject in the clothes, uh, by the way, I try almost everything that I make uh, on myself um, for many years. I was actually the fitting model by now, obviously i 'm not, but uh, I still try in the fitting just to see how it feels and that it has that cool effect that I need
0: for sure and you're you're you own this, but you own this puppy. You're not. This is probably why you have the freedom to kind of do what you want and make it your own. Am I correct? This is self-funded. Yes. No, no fundraising. No investors.
1: That's correct. I hundred percent own this business from day one. I started the business with a very small investment of my own, until today. No loans. No, I don't owe nobody a penny. I'm hundred percent owning it, and it's a pretty big business. Uh, It's nice. It's nice to be in a position that you can take decision for yourself. Uh, One of the things, you know, I I always joke that this business is a result of a midlife crisis. Uh, But uh, basically, at uh, my late 40s, mid 50s, uh, I uh, did quite a lot of changes in my life. And one of them, I moved from being uh, an employee to have my own business. And to sum it all, I think when people ask me what was driving me to do all these things, is one word that's called freedom. And it's not that I wasn't free before, you know, it's not that I was not any sum of constraints, but I think the ability to do what you wanna do, when you wanna do it, how you wanna do it, is pure freedom and that I wish on every woman. Uh, And every man, but uh, especially women of my generation. And uh, I think that to see the company today of where it is, where I have complete freedom to take it where I want to take it, good or bad, take my decisions and run with them. There's nothing that's more empowering than that.
0: That's awesome. I think when we talked during the pandemic, you were in New York, your pride in being a New Yorker was very apparent to me. Right. Um, tell me about, yes, first of all, um, you mentioned pr- production happening in the States. Is that limiting? Like some people think I would obviously not for you, but um, has that been a challenge? Um,
1: I I have to admit that, you know, from 100% mainly New York, we diversified a bit lately. And uh, and uh, the reason for is really for the craftsmanship, not so much because I couldn't make it all here. It's limited only because of the amount of factories that are in New York, you know, and quite a lot of people after the pandemic was looking to make things in New York. So it became became a little tight, but so far I have no problem uh finding places to make my clothes. My clothes are very particular and, in certain segment of my business, you know, I garment dye, uh, and, and, and stonewash, and I do all kinds of, you know, different processes that requires laundries, and there's not that many of them either. Uh, but I manage, uh, at this point. And, um, so New York, uh, it's very convenient to work domestic in New York. Uh, from different reasons. A number one quality control. You know, you are able to be in the factories every day, solve problems. There's always problems in production. And so it's gives you the flexibility to solve the problem really before it's too late. Um, it's also an ideology. You know, why go somewhere else if you can do it here? Why not give people work here? Uh, if, if you can. Um, and the New York as a whole, you know, there's just the level of the energy in the city. Uh, yes, it's gotten a little lower than where it was before COVID. A lot of people left. A lot of people left the city. Uh, and, and you feel it. But um, I'm here and I'm loving it. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell me, your your production um, being primarily or largely in the States, um, I mean any changes since all of the the supply chain um obstacles hurdles um maybe you you do want to um i, I guess differentiate more did did what you were doing serve you well are you just working maybe um i guess sooner in advance or planning farther ahead of time than you had before how has your production i guess schedule changed and processes logistics <laughs>
1: Yeah. So obviously the big advantage in, in, in working things in the city and domestically, you know, LA, New York, uh, that you don't have to be so planned in advance and you have the flexibility, uh, of, you know, changing, moving things according to what the market needs and according to what the political situation is. So it definitely was a big help for me during COVID. Uh, where I feel, the issues with the supply chain is mostly in the fabrics in the piece goods in the trims because they are all coming from overseas and unfortunately there is no uh fabric mills in the united states so uh maybe there is but uh not the kind of product that i need so i most of my fabrics come from italy as I said before, in Japan, slightly, you know, used to be more, but now mostly Italy. And of course, uh, the shipping time is longer. And I've seen quite a lot of production issues rising uh, that I did not see before uh, the prices went up. So clearly it affects my business. Um, we haven't really raised the prices dramatically. Uh, we probably need to do it slowly uh, because... Obviously, the prices did go up, uh, and the shipping went up, uh, not only in the piece goods. So yeah, there are challenges. We're trying not to do it drastically and we're trying not to put it on the consumer, rather figure out, uh, efficient way that we can observe it ourselves. Um, I think one of the things that makes me special is my price point that for what I'm offering, you know, I am at a, at a more comfortable price point. So I'm trying to stay there as much as I can.
0: For sure. Well, tell me about your customer because this isn't just, you know, a more mature woman who actually can afford it. Like I know that you have fans, um, including like Danielle Bernstein. Like I I follow her and I see her referencing your wearing your brand um, often. Um, But yeah, who who is your fan? Who is your shopper? Who are you targeting?
1: I am targeting to an ageless woman. I am, to me age is is has to connect to the spirit and to an attitude. I'm 64 years old and I'm designing for myself, and you know the biggest segment of my clients sits between 32 to 42. So uh, clearly, um, it's nothing to do with age. Uh, so I think what I need, she needs and what I like she likes and uh my daughter was 27 can't stop herself when she goes to my store you know and getting uh herself dressed up so clearly uh there is no age to it but when we check and when we try to figure out um what is and how is my uh consumer demographic is uh about 35% of my business is uh, of my clients is between 34 to 42, 40%, 42 to 52, and the rest is 52 to 65. So uh, I'm actually, at the end, I am actually uh, probably, uh, from age perspective, you know, this is probably as far as I go, but uh, the majority is between 40, around 42, 45, um, And those are all working women who, you know, run a busy life the way I do. Uh, They need clothes for the weekend. They need clothes to run around. They need clothes for the evening. They need sexy clothes to go out. And and I try to give her everything that she needs. I try to give myself everything that I need. Right on. For
0: sure. Well, tell me about your – for emerging fashion designers, everybody thinks that they need to, like – Um, show at fashion week. I haven't seen you at fashion week. First of all, are you, are you doing seasonal collections? Um, Is that the, the, the time timeline for you Um, is constant newness necessary? Seasonal collections. Is that happening? And would a fashion show make sense for you?
1: So I do have five collections a year. Uh, We, we call it kind of by the season, but I don't think we treat it as a season. Uh, you know, we're looking at it as buy now, wear now, meaning I'm looking at it as women are going to come in, will want to buy it and wear it, and not just buy it and keep it a couple of months in her closet. Uh, so when I design, I really refer to the delivery time. You know, when is it going to be delivered to the store? And what would I want to wear at that time of the year? Where am I going to be? What am I going to do? You know, we're designing right now what it's called Resort, which is actually October, November. I'm not looking at it as Resort. No one's going to Resort. I'm not going on Resort, but it's called Resort. Uh, I'm looking at October, November. Where am I going to be in October, November? What would I want? What would I think? I will clearly plan what I will be wearing for New Year's parties. I will so definitely want to give her uh, or give me enough clothes to, uh, that extends of the day-to-day clothes that I have. Uh, and so on summer, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going to be next to the pool. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to go away. I'm going to, what do I need? Uh, that's on top of my everyday task of taking my children to school, you know, cooking, going shopping, going to work, and so on and so on. Uh, going to the movies, going to restaurant. restaurant. Uh, so yes, I do have five, And basically we, we ship every uh, 11 month. So we, we ship every month. Uh, and the, and, and the shipment is basically divided into two, into ongoing collections that's been with me forever, for 18 years. Those, this is what I call Anna Classics, which is collections of strong essentials that everyone needs and will forever need. And they are timeless. So I'm basically offering them again in different variations of colors and different ways to, to how to wear it, to how to, you know, so that gives it the freshness. And I also have a collection that is all new and all fresh. And this is for the woman who wants to refresh her wardrobe and wants to uh, feel that she's buying something and makes her feel good. So yes. So it's kind of, 50-50, 50-50, you know, uh, divided. Uh, so that's in terms of the season. What was your other question? Oh, um, just
0: about fashion week. Um, if, fashion if a fashion week. show makes sense for you.
1: So it may make sense to me, uh, next year or this coming year in, in, in a specific occasion and not really a fashion show the way you know you see like a runway and all the models going through the collection but some sort of a presentation. Uh, I'm launching accessories in September uh, which is a big deal you know one of the amazing things about my business that I was able to bring my business to the size that it is Without accessories. Most people's the accessory business is, is at least 60% of their business. So to get to that growth that I have without is quite amazing. So I'm looking forward to have accessories, uh, which could uh, double or triple my business, uh, hopefully, with them. Uh, and that I'm launching in September. Uh, and, uh, I think that during September, I will do some sort of a presentation to show my accessories and i probably will use some sort of a mini presentation, uh, but a fashion show where you spend millions of dollars and do it and feel like you have to do it every season. That is something that I figured out from the very beginning that I'm not interested in.
0: Yes. Well, you mentioned some category expansion. Um what are your aspirations there? Um lifestyle brand does that mean beyond fashion? Um yeah, where are you, where are your categories going?
1: Uh explore, you know right now we're working on a few. Unfortunately, I can't share all of them, but one thing for sure is we're doing accessories uh and I've been working for almost a year on my ultimate ultimate bags that I want to carry. Uh, I've done some experiments, uh, during COVID and came up with two bags that I love and, and use and serve me well. Uh, and that kind of gave me the taste to actually continue and, uh, really come up with a full blown, uh, collection. So that is coming in September. Um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of. In within, I'm, I'm on almost every category. So I'm really just looking at each category. Denim has been a huge category for me, extremely successful. And I really didn't mean to go there. You know, I started with some fashion denim, two or three. And by now, you know, we have such a big denim collection, uh, that, and successful that, you know, I didn't predict it. So, uh, yeah, so it's just growing organically.
0: That's great. Well, tell me, last question about all your plans for this year. It seems obviously physical retail. Are there further um, plans for global, global expansion? What else is happening?
1: Well, totally. I mean, global, uh, we have a distributor in Europe. We are looking at how to grow that uh, international business digitally too. I mean, we see a lot of activity on our international digital business and just shows us that, you know, we are definitely uh, have room to grow, uh, an opportunity to grow and physical stores uh, in Europe uh, is something that I, it's one of my dreams. So when it's going to happen, I don't know. But uh, definitely a store in Paris and a store in the UK is something that I'd like to do. I'm not sure it's going to happen this year, but definitely on my list.
0: Well, Neely, this was so great and inspiring. And I'm in your happy range as being a 42-year-old, and I get it. Like, this is what (laughs) girls want to wear. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.